Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another Wednesday of Off the Track. I'm your host, Tanner Holmes, and this is episode number two of our podcast. To my left, I have my best friend and co-host, Bennett Gooch. Bennett, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm super excited for our guest today. Um, We're fortunate enough to have him in studio, and I think everyone's going to really enjoy this interview. Yes, this is someone that has been involved with the YouTube channel over the past couple of months, and you guys have seen them quite often. We've definitely been trying to incorporate them in the videos and Mm -hmm. now on the podcast, so this will be our great first guest. Right, and uh, we do have um, a good amount of guests lined up too, and the cool thing, like you said, is we're going to do interviews every, like we're going to try to go every other episode, so some we might have guests, some we might not. Yes, some will be with just both of us, you know, recapping what's going on, talking about stories, things that we've experienced in the sport of racing. And then other times like today, we're going to get someone else's perspective on dirt track racing, uh, talk about their career and their goals in the direction that they're headed and fun stories and things that they've experienced in the sport as well. And we've definitely got some great stories with this guest as well. Yes, this is going to be a phenomenal episode. So you guys are definitely going to want to tune in. If you did miss episode one, uh, one of the reasons why this is called Off the Track, to touch on that real quick, Mm -hmm. is the vlogs I would consider, they're like on-track action. You know, we got the onboard footage. uh, We have cameras right in the face in the heat of the moment. But this is more off the track where we get the chance to sit back, talk about certain things, go more in depth, deep dive, and uh, just hear a different perspective than, you know, when things are happening right then and there. So we can really sit back and talk about certain things. Yeah, no, it's going to be, I think this whole venture we're starting with off the track, uh, like you said, there's so many stories that we have um, specifically with this guest as well. And it's going to be so cool to be able to incorporate the guests and hear their stories that we've never heard before. Yes. So um, I'm super excited to you know, learn everything off the track. Absolutely. So this should be really, really fun. A few things to kind of cover before we get started. Uh, If you guys enjoy watching the full podcast, obviously that will be uploaded here to the YouTube channel every Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. But we also have my second channel and then Bennett's channel uh, where we're going to be uploading podcast clips. So if you don't have time to watch the whole 40 or one hour uh, interview and you want to kind of go through some of the segments like in the last episode, my favorite, where we talked about Bennett trading his dwarf car at a gas station or trading, his, out- outlaw cart, trading yeah. his outlaw cart for a dwarf car at a gas yeah. station. So funny clips like that, they're going to be all over our social media. So if you go down to the description down below or I'll link it up on the YouTube card, uh, you can check out our other channels where we're going to be posting snippets and mm. other forms of how you can watch this podcast. And the cool thing is too, is like we talked, um, we want your merchandise. So if you are a racer and you sell hats or shirts or whatever it is, um, koozies, whatever you sell, send it to us and we're going to wear it and rep it on the podcast. Yes. We'll put that down in the description below uh, to check out. So send us your merchandise. We will be repping it right now. I'm wearing my Mm -hmm. factory QRC gear. Love the guys at factory QRC. But if you're a micro driver, if you drive a four cylinder, a Hornet, anything. I mean, this is a dirt. This is Ronnie Mac. It's a dirt bike merch. Yeah. so. So Send us what you got if you want us to uh, rep your merchandise. All the details for that will be down below. But send us both large shirts, snapback hats, uh, koozies. We would love to have it here on our studio and on our show. Even if you do diecast too. We could add diecast which would be awesome. Absolutely. So send that to us. Like I said, all the details will be down in the description down below. 
Uh, and then also, as we started last episode, we want to give a huge shout out to Modern Machinery. Mm-hmm. Without them, this podcast would not be up and uh, off the ground like we are here this early in January. Right. So thanks to them, they helped us get a lot of this fancy gear. And with that being said, if you have a business or you have a product that you would like to advertise here on the show uh, and you want to you know, work with us and our brand, definitely reach out to my email, tannerholmesracing at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We would love to show some of the fancy racing products uh, here in front of the audience that we have. Yeah, no, we want to hear about your brands. We, uh, we want to promote people and that's, you know, this is a great place to do it. Lots of viewers. And, uh, I think it's one of the best opportunities for you. Yes. So definitely take advantage of that. If that's in your interest. Well, anyway, I think it's probably about time. We just kind of get into it. Uh, I, I talked about it in episode one, but today's guest is my younger sister, Carly. Yeah. Carly is, um, a very talented driver not only on the track, uh, she is a talented off the track, off the track, which she's, fits, fits our show perfectly. Yeah. She's uh, great at turning wrenches and you know, people might not know that about her too. Yeah. So that's one of the things we're really going to talk about in this episode. Uh, Carly's abilities on the track. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, her 2021 sprint car season and what that's going to look like. Uh, when you guys first started following the channel, if you've been watching for a long, long time, you really saw what my career looked like in the early stages of getting behind the wheel of a limited sprint car and even the 360. And so I think we're really getting into the stage for Carly for that, yeah. where we're going to see on the YouTube channel throughout this year through the podcast, because I would like to incorporate it in her more, more than just having her as a guest. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, on the YouTube channel. So that's one of the exciting things that I'm looking forward to during this year. And then we're also going to get to talk about, um, you know, her first laps in the sprint car. Right. And a lot of people, you guys uh, that watch the channel saw those laps. Yes. Yes. And then get to hear from her. And then also we're going to talk about Carly's experiences in outlaw carts. She has a lot of help and people behind her, uh, you know, keeping her up front every single weekend at the Red Bluff Outlaws at the Roseburg Indoor and many other tracks in the Pacific Northwest. So we're going to touch on those, talk about how she got started and It uh, should be a lot of fun. So let's get into the interview with Carly. We're looking forward to it. Yep. Sounds good. Well, Carly Holmes out of the car and going up top to celebrate her main event victory here tonight in car number 22C. So we got the one and the only Carly Holmes here in studio. Welcome uh, to our new little office here. Hopefully you like it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So... First off, I think Bennett and I have something to say. Congratulations on your first OI win. That was a uh, big thing that we had here on the YouTube channel recently. We did a whole video on that. Uh, congratulations yeah, on having you. that triumph at Red Bluff. And, That's a big deal. And one of the cool things is, uh, me and Tanner were talking earlier, you were one position off a perfect night at the Red Bluff Outlaws. Which is in, so incredibly tough to do. It doesn't do. matter what division they you're in. They just posted so a hard. stat on the Red Bluff Outlaws Facebook page. No driver in open class history, so this is OI, Carly did it in, but still, any class is tough. The open class, the division I competed in every single week, Bennett competed in it. There has never been a perfect night in the whole history of Red Bluff since the 1980s. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of years, a lot of laps for someone to never have a perfect night. And a perfect night for people who are wondering what that is. Uh, quick time in qualifying, first in your heat race, first in the trophy dash, first in the main event. Collecting as and much I think as where the toughest part to have a perfect night is not going quick time, not winning the A, not winning your heat. It's six, the first in the dash exactly. because they do a full invert. So if you're quick time, Carly, you ripped off quick time at Red Bluff that night. Yes. Lay down an absolute ripper of a lap. Uh, you went, what, fourth to first in your heat, mm-hmm. which in the heat, you have some yellows, same things can go your way. And then uh, six to first in the dash, though, you and only have six laps. Here's a cool thing to mention. Um, when I was... 
when they were doing the dashes, I was on the infield uh, filming for Tanner. And the dash track state at Red Bluff is borderline, you know, slick to maybe rubber at this year for sure. Yeah. So to come from sixth all the way up to second on the bumper of the leader within five laps, like two Carly more laps, did, you might win the, yeah. the that's dash. In, that's incredible. And like uh, Colby Copeland said on the infield, like we were all just shocked. Carly, how the dialed fast- the car was and Carly, how dialed yeah. she was. in. She set the fastest time of the night in the dashes um, out of all the classes. So that's absolutely, uh, that's something cool. And, uh, you know, maybe soon later in the year, you can click off a perfect night and be one of the first to do it. Yeah. So you obviously won the A-Main event that night, but talk about it in general, like what it, it was like, you know, you're obviously that fast, but you still have to keep a level head and have the right mindset going from race to race to be able to pass cars because that Red Bluff, even though, you know, you had the best night going so far, you started sixth in the A. So you had to pass all the same cars you already passed throughout the night. And that was um, not just a point race. That was the Gary Jacobs Memorial. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So a special race at Red Bluff. Just talk a little bit about that, like having almost a perfect night and uh, working your way up through the races, but still being confident and still doing the same thing and repeating the process every time you're out there. Yeah, it was definitely incredible what I did. I, uh, I would always watch like in the main or in the heat race in the dash, actually, I would watch what the other cars were doing because I knew that I would get a start behind them no matter what, like in the main, I would have to start behind them no matter what because you qualified qualified six. Yeah. So I would kind of watch what they were doing in the heat race, and I kind of just figured out, like, you know, they, like they made the mistake at least twice. Like, they're probably going to do it again. So I, if I kind of just watched what they were doing, I kind of figured out how I could get them around them. Uh, quick question on that, like you mentioned. Um, so the open class does a redraw. Do you guys think there should be a redraw for all the other main events? I, I don't really think so, just because I, I, I don't know. It's kind of like one of the feature class yes event it's things. like you're in the open class you you deserve to do the redraw and i think yeah. it's something that's still a little bit new because the they redraw, haven't done it for years and now. the redraw is incorporated with the back row challenge and that's not yes. offered to any other division so i think that's why it makes it so unique and special so i think it's important that for sure they probably just keep it in the opens i think for you guys it's actually good if you qualify good i think it, it makes it exciting for racers to have to start sixth which i know it can be kind of annoying because mm. i experienced that coming yeah. up through the classes <laughs> too beginner yeah. box stock 250 OI, but I think for sure it's uh, it's important to pass cars and learn that aspect of racing. So yeah. uh, next thing we're going to jump into is probably the topic everyone wants to hear about. And this was one of the coolest nights I've been a part of for racing. Yes, I can I can say 110% for myself, one of the coolest nights too, just getting to race the sprint cars together, which is what we're going to touch on. So Carly, you just recently got to turn your first laps in a sprint car, an opportunity that not many people get. So real quickly, I think to touch on, what was that like the play day? We drove up to Cottage Grove, two hours north, uh, one of the nicest tracks in the Pacific Northwest. What was that like getting to turn some laps, but also have the chance to not have to really go out there and just hot lap on a regular racing night? You know, you actually get a chance to turn laps and just take it easy and figure it out. Yeah, it was kind of nice that I was uh, out there actually by myself. So I felt like more comfortable with like the car and just to get... Cause you couldn't see like your front wheels at all. And I'm not used to that. Cause in the goat car, I can see like a lot of differences yeah, from the outlaw car to the sprint car. So adjusting to that, that helps. Yeah. So I definitely felt, um, like Tana was telling me to like, think like run the bottom or something. And I was kind of like little too like touchy. Like, I don't know. So I just went yeah. through the middle and then I kind of worked my way up to the top. Yeah. And here's one of the cool things too. Um, you know, a lot of people that race kind of have big heads on their shoulders and they're like, Oh, I, let me just go right into the race. Let me just go yeah. wide open. I can do this brand new car. No, 
Carly was very smart. She took it slow. And I think as a racer, you got to be disciplined enough to get into a, a brand new car and be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be the fastest yet. And that's exactly what Carly did. And yeah. she progressed so fast right into the first Which race. I think it, it helps your progression because you kind of figure things out slowly. And when I first got started in sprint cars, the one main thing that we talked about before you went out there and the main thing that I was, ta- uh, I was talked to about before I got in a limited sprint and a sprint car in general was always figure out or try to figure out as fast as you can how wide you are because that's a difference from an outlaw card or anything to a sprint car. You got to figure out like what holes you can fit through with your race car and moves that you can make and then also the closing rate. So if Bennett's in front of me in another sprint car and I'm behind him and he gets a little loose or misses the bottom and, and gets in the slick, I'm going to catch him way faster than if that happened in an outlaw card at Red right. Bluff or Cycling just because of the high horsepower and the tracks that we're on. So that was one thing that we really talked about. And I'm assuming that you noticed that in a big way. Yeah, I definitely noticed how wide the car was eventually. Uh, I had to get used to the steering wheel. I kind of realized the steering wheel and the sprint car, you had to put it a certain direction or like with your the stagger. Hands, yeah, your hands will get caught. And I figured that out in the heat race, actually, the race, the next race after whatever I raced it, I figured out, like, if you don't have it the right way, your hands will be all messed up and you won't be able to, like, you know, go. Super uncomfortable, for sure. And I think that was one thing that it it didn't really go in the vlog because we had so much happening that night between both of us racing. We were just doing clips here and there, but I did talk to Carly and and you were pretty frustrated about the whole steering wheel thing because Mm -hmm. it, it was it's a difficult thing to figure out because once you get out there, especially as a new driver, maybe a veteran driver, it's, you know, you, you kind of just figure things out, you go, but you're just trying to figure out how to drive the car. So when you also have to deal with the steering wheel and your hands being crossed up, and obviously once you're stuck out there, you know, you're not going to just pull over. You're not going to. So, uh, I know that was kind of a frustrating thing. And I could, uh, definitely see in any motorsports you get in, if you get in a car and it's not comfortable, I could see, you know, a big car, high horsepower, first time in it, and you're not comfortable. It's not going to be the best experience. And that's so. exactly why I think we took time earlier in the week to mm-hmm. get you in the seat. We did a whole video on that and get you in the seat, figure out the pedals. And I think a question I had for you, do you think like sitting in the sprint car was more comfortable than the outlaw car or you don't, you know, both you are fine, you know, because you, you sit so straight up and down, like we're sitting in these chairs right now in a sprint car and you have your pedals right below you. But an outlaw car, your legs are in full extension mode uh, to get the pedal. So did did both of them feel fine or was that an adjustment as well? Uh, They're they're both like not the same, I would say, but they definitely are kind of comfortable now that I got in one and I actually raced a sprint car. But I definitely like the um, outlaw car better. It's just more comfortable and I like my legs like out in front of me instead of like straight down, Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm sitting straight up and down. Which, see, I noticed that I actually like how the sprint car sits better. I don't know if it's just when the nerves kick in or when you're in a high-pressure situation. How you sit in a sprint car for myself is the most comfortable. Not that outlaw carts aren't, but it's just, it's two totally different things. And honestly, thinking back now, both are fine. Like, you know, it's not like that has a big play. It's just uh, something that is definitely different. So now as we talk about maybe a little bit of 2021 plans, I think this is a great opportunity to touch on those. Uh, Actually, where we're at, right outside this office, we have a couple of Mm -hmm. wings your wings that are going to be on your sprint car for this next season. And you're working on peeling all the graphics off so we can get our 2021 design on. We're not going to have the old tape. It's not going to be, it's not going to be the 18 TC as bad as I wish it was. I I mean, I I wish I could convince you to make it the 18 TC. And that was, that was a funny thing going in to Carly's first sprint car race. If you missed that in the vlog, Bennett was up here because he was here for uh, the whole week. And we had to make the number different because Carly was just running our second car 
and obviously all of it's stickered to be the 18T. And so uh, we had to make it a little different, made yeah. a little duct tape C. <laughs> And hey, I, th- I thought it was very noticeable. I thought yes, it was clean. Yes, so. I thought so too. We even did a little black outline. Got a little yeah. black outline to, you know, you know, show our, our graphic. We de- never got paid for it. Yeah, our design, <laughs> our design skill. So uh, going into 2021, I think the goal for Carly, I think we talked about doing about 10 to 15 races. Yeah, 10, Just 10 to 12, 10 to 15, somewhere in there. Seeing what happens, especially who knows what 2021 is even going to really look like. But I think uh, that'll be a good chance for you to get out on the track and uh, maybe also on bigger weekends. We talked about ISCS Speed Week, which for the viewers that don't know, that stands for the Interstate Sprint Car Series where they run six nights in a row. And there's even a race down here in the Southern part of the state that's not affiliated with the series that you can run to make it like seven races in eight days that pays a lot of money. So every night pays $1,000 to win. We actually have the ISCS Speed Week Championship trophy, now that I think about it, behind us uh, from the 2019 running of that week. Fortunate enough, we're able to capture that on our limited Speed Week. But that'll be an awesome chance for Carly to hopefully get out there, run a bunch of nights in a row, see new racetracks, and uh, just get more and more comfortable, as well as have plenty of seat time before that. Was she going to jump into a... uh 360 from state limited. We're not sure. I think right. we're going to kind of do the whole limited right. thing. Obviously, Carly's so green to sprint car racing, one mm-hmm. race under her belt, but she led laps in it like we talked about in yeah. the last episode. We'll have to mention that. Yeah, so led laps in her first race, but I think as far as 2021 plans go, uh, we're going to try to get her on speed week and then also maybe two-day shows because that's so important because we do outlaw cart two-day shows here and there, but I think one of the cool things, and, and you've noticed this over your racing career, like if you make a mistake on Friday, you have another chance to get back in the car and correct it real real fast and uh it just makes you a better driver that you're able to uh you know run multiple nights in a row and be able to really progress more throughout the week than if you were to do six races on six straight saturdays and carly a quick question for you um so a lot of people may know this or might not know this um when tanner goes to race sprint car carly's always on the wrenches so what's it like you know going from almost a crew chief crew role right into driving like did it like, is it cool to know what you're driving? Cause you know how it all works. You, you know so much yeah. about the car. So now that I know, like, uh, now that I actually, I still do know, but, uh, at least that I know like what to do. So then when I went on the track, I could kind of tell, I was like, okay, the car's a little loose. Like maybe if I come back in, I should change the stagger a little bit, or yeah. I should change the right, like just I or air pressure, all out. these yeah. little yeah. things. I definitely had to figure the car out when I got out there and figure out what changes I needed to make before the ne- heat race or uh, qualifying or, you know, what, what the next race. And we, that's cool because. Um, talking to some people, some drivers only show up to drive. Yes. It, they don't it, know what we to call change. them arrive and drives and there's nothing wrong with being an arrive and right, drive. Right, Cause right. I'll admit in their situation, in their certain <laughs> situations, I'm an arrive and drive. And we talked about that in episode one. There's a reason I make YouTube videos. Some people yeah. are gifted at certain things and you have to touch on those talents, but uh, yeah, so I was not born with the greatest capabilities of working on stuff. I've gotten way better over the last three years, and I definitely have certain things that I, I do on the sprint car for sure. Mm-hmm. And Carly has a lot of things where she's really hands-on at the racetrack. So it's actually a great combo, I think, for us as siblings. But, uh, you know, you're just you're really hands-on. So if you guys are at a racetrack and you see Carly hop out and maybe she wasn't the fastest, you're going to be seeing some changes being made right, by, right. by her in the driver's suit. So um, what I was thinking about, too, with the sprint car, would you guys run together on ISCS? I'm not sure. So we have to talk to dad. Maybe when dad's on an episode, we'll we'll have an open discussion. But 
it is tough running both cars. Obviously, there's a lot more work Especially involved. for six or seven. Yeah, days, six so. or seven. One car is tough enough. So I think, like, for example, if we do a speed week, you know, it's not like I'm missing out on anything if I don't right. run. Right. Uh, obviously, we've already ran the limited a lot. So we're, like, trying to move past that. Don't get me wrong. It's still fun to just go race anything. Yeah. But obviously, for Carly, it's most beneficial. And it might be a good chance for me to, like, be there to talk about the racing and the tracks. And uh, ISCS Speed Week, as we mentioned, goes to a bunch of different tracks. Is there maybe one in particular, like a racetrack in the Pacific Northwest, that you would really like to get to this next year? Um, hopefully, uh, Will Lamb at Speedway. I just feel like right. I saw you race there, and I just felt like the top. Like I'm a top person, and I just like I love that top there. I feel like yeah. that'd be really good. It gets up right up by the fence, Will Lamb. It's uh, about an hour, forty five minutes north of uh, the Cottage Grove Speedway, so it's just right up to I five. And I noticed that place, like like she said, gets right around the curb. And the last time I think we ran there, uh, it was, you know, developed a curb and also had a bottom. So great two lanes of racing and hopefully Willamette's on the schedule. Yeah, I got a funny story to mention real quick about <laughs> Willamette. Uh, so like the first speed week I ever went on with Tanner, we go to Willamette and they're running um, the Hornets, the IMCA compacts, sport compacts, whatever you're going to call them. I like calling them the Hornets. Uh, the track was starting to go slick. It was definitely after the heat race yes. going slick. I think we had qualified and then, or we qualified, did heats, and then they were doing pra- right. track prep. And so uh, they watered the track to get the, knock the dust down. And uh, all the Hornets went out there, and I feel bad for the guys. First lap, these guys, um, I think they're pulling the e-brake. They're backing it in, but it was all wet. So they, one of them like hooked the left. And they all just went right to they, the wall. They all, like, so they all went to like, turn. <laughs> if you can imagine, you know, these little cars that they just pulled Front out of the, ju- drive, they probably yeah. pulled out of the junkyard the night before. Right. Something. Right. They all go into the corner and their wheels go left to turn and they <laughs> straight. Like a dump truck, yeah. So right into the fence. And I remember that in uh, Bennett was Snapchatting or whatever. And we have that save. So that is an awesome uh, memory from Willamette. Yeah. And uh, you know, that, that place, like we talked about does get slick very quick. So they're always trying to do track prep like they did there. Uh, to, you know, bring some grit back. Yeah, no, if, uh, just to mention, if you have a uh, Hornet anywhere and we're racing there, I will drive that deal. I love the (laughs) Hornet class. Anywhere on ISCS Speed Week, heck, if the Dwarf cars are the support class for one of our Speed Weeks. I'll go double duty. Double duty, Hornet, Heck, we'll do we'll do like three or four videos that night on every single class. So <laughs> no, that, that, that should be cool. a lot of fun. I know Coos Bay was another track where we almost had the opportunity to run a Hornet. Yeah, so Coos Bay has this um, opportunity where you like rent the car. Yeah. And uh, I we were real close to pulling the trigger on the thing, but I was thinking, you know, it, it just, I'm just going to have to be the cameraman. Yeah, for ju- just tonight. We wanted to. The only issue was they there wasn't really like a seat that fit. The seat that was in there was so big that we could all three have sat in there. I'm, yeah. It was it was huge. So uh, one of these times, though, we will definitely make it a priority to yeah. get in a Hornet. And I have a Hornet. I just need to get her ready to go. So now moving into this next segment for this podcast, I really want to talk about your early years in racing because I think that's something that I haven't really mentioned in the videos. We've kind of watched some of the older videos from myself, but not you. And obviously you got started in racing because we just were kind of a racing family by that point. Uh, I started when I was five years old. You were two at the time, I guess, if I do the math correctly. So you were two at the time and then you probably started racing about 2012, 2013, because you've, now you've been like, doing, I guess, eight, eight nine, nine years nine almost. Nine years, I think. So uh, Carly's actually been racing for a long time for someone that's only uh, your age. So talk a little bit about some of your early years. You know, one of the main tracks we competed at was the Southern Oregon Speedway, which is literally 10 minutes from the studio. That's actually yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. It's really, really close here. And I think one of the reasons why 
we are kind of where we're at in a way, or just, we just have so many laps because in our early years, one of the big things we did was pull double duty. You know, in NASCAR, you see like maybe a driver runs Xfinity and runs the cup. We did that at the local level for dirt track racing. We would run beginner box in box stock, or we would run 250 in box stock all in the same night and even up to 250 and open because a lot of tracks allowed this. So what was it like in some of your early years getting the chance to just do so many laps at a bunch of different tracks whenever we race during the summer and winter? Yeah, I think it definitely actually helped me when I could do double duty because I got double the laps and I felt like I just, I was more confident as I got older in racing. Yeah, it just, it gives us the opportunity, like you said, do more laps, but see more about like the track conditions that night and study what's going on. The Southern Oregon Speedway, we always, whenever we ran there, a lot of times it was kind of right around the bottom. Yeah. But uh, some nights, you know, occasionally it'd move up and, and tracks would slicken off and our dad was involved a little bit with like prepping the track. So uh, it was always usually very smooth and there was decent car count. So that was always a lot of fun. I got a quick question for both of you actually. Um, so I never had the opportunity to do a double duty night. Going into a double duty night, and you guys can both answer yeah. this. Uh, when you get into, and I've heard a lot of people do this, they run like a beginner box or a 250, and then they go into the OI or the box hog. When you go into the higher horsepower, you're like, why am I even messing with the low horsepower? This, this stuff, happens you know a lot. I mean? And I think even with like jumping from a sprint car to an outlaw car, a lot of people would be like, why do you guys even still mess with the outlaw carts? Mm -hmm. And there's specific reasons we always talk about. Mm -hmm. Outlaw carts help so much during the winter when we're not doing anything. Like right. if you're just sitting on your couch at home, you might as well just be racing something. If you, you can, know? yeah. And so I think that was similar for the outlaw carts uh, when we were a little bit younger was like, you know, you could run 250 and box stock and obviously how you drive a 250 is a hundred times different how you would drive a box stock. Box yeah. stock, very smooth, a lot of momentum, a lot of throttle control. And then also the 250 at throttle control, but you have so much horsepower. You got to figure out cars a little bit bigger, yeah. uh, how they react and handle is so much different. And you're not on slicks. So yes. the tires yeah. are different. You're on Tread. treads. Yeah, you're on different, is... you're on different burst racing tires. So that was one of the things that we always experienced. But double duty, I think hands down was one of the best things as a young driver yeah. and a lot of a lot of kids do it some tracks it's not allowed red bluff you can't run double duty yeah. which i understand we already have 200 cars in the pit uh, area they do allow double duty at nationals though yes and that's where we really see an increase you have to go up you of people you know if you are a beginner box stock champion they'll move up to box stock you know and run both so mm -hmm. i think if red bluff did allow double duty i think it'd be good but at the same time like we said we already have so many carts it's kind of hard for a track like that to do it so on the flip side of double duty um like you said more seat time the better but do you think going into a sprint car did you ever feel like hopping back into the outlaw cart it might have messed you up at all uh it didn't really mess me up too much mm -hmm. i felt like i definitely um was still focused and confident yeah. in myself when i got in a sprint car and then when i went back to the outlaw car i was still kind of confident that it's, you know, it's an a la carte. I know how to drive it. I've been driving it for eight, nine years now. I feel yeah. like I can still drive it how I drive drove it before I win the sprint car. I think well, a lot of that's mental. You know, yeah. you mm -hmm. kind of touched on that. Like mentally, you have to figure out uh, how to separate the driving styles in your head. Like this is how I do the sprint car. And as you get more laps, that, that gets more and more solidified. Yep. But like, this is how I drive the sprint car. This is how I drive the outlaw cart. And they can't mix. There are yeah. things I think that you can use from one to the other in a way, yeah. but at the same time, you know, one's got 550 or 750 horsepower, or even more, yeah. and then one has, you know, 65, 60, yeah, 60 horsepower, like and uh, they 
have a, a, a very high power to weight ratio though, a la carte. So things happen very mm. quickly, but it's just, it's two different beasts. And something that's uh, cool that I got the opportunity to do is, um, so when I was running like, I don't know, it was like box soccer or something. Uh, my good buddy, Blake Johnson had a road cart team and I went and drove the road cart and then, um, learning from him. Cause he rose, he raced both road, like yeah. road carts and then, um, outlaw carts, uh, the road stuff almost fine tuned him for dirt Kept and that's smooth. what i've heard is i heard um you, the smoother you are on asphalt is going to transfer to dirt so i see how there's um definitely benefits to both yeah. but on the flip side of benefits i've heard people go from an outlaw cart to a midget and that's crazy that's like so much more horsepower a, no wing a lot of outlaw cart kids seem to be really good in midgets like first yeah. or second time out i think that's one thing we yeah. noticed you did say the asphalt and i've noticed that there's been some kids that have come to outlaw carts that we don't really know their name you're like who is this guy you know maybe they're in a nice piece and however they got involved mm -hmm. but they're ripping they're on the gas and i think it's because they're so they're so smooth they're used yeah. to keeping their arms um you know straight keeping the steering wheel straight maybe elbows locked a little bit so yeah. it's just uh it's incredible what different cars can teach you yeah. and can benefit you and one of the cool uh flying story is uh i went and tested blake's road cart and i don't know if you know in road cart racing um you're not supposed to use the brakes and so uh back in dirt i would use to yeah, stab the brake pitch it in you know yeah. get it ripping uh and i pulled into the pits and the brakes are almost like red and smoking and brian his dad's like do you use the brakes and i was like yeah i mean yeah, we're going so break. fast. And he's like, no, you're supposed to roll the corners. And I was like, that's crazy. But I do see how, um, you know, transitioning, that definitely could help seat time. And uh, that's pretty cool that you guys got the opportunity to do those. Yeah, yeah for sure. I don't know, Tanner, if you did this, but I know for sure when I went from a 250 to a 500, I drove my 500 just like the 250. I would back steer it. Well, Bennett could have some input on this smooth. too. I think my opinion on it is I think the 250, the biggest thing is you can't do things that you can do in a 500. You drive them right. almost identical in a way. Like if you were to run a 250 around Red Bluff and run a 500, I feel like lifting points are similar. The 250, you can drive maybe a little bit harder because you have yeah. less horsepower. So, mm -hmm. but the 500, I think you can kind of get yourself out of trouble a little bit easier because if you make a mistake, yeah. maybe you hop the curb, you get in the fluff, you can just stab the gas, which, you know, you obviously want to be smooth, but you can get yourself out of trouble and get yourself in another spot to succeed and keep passing cars where the 250, you know, you make a mistake or something, it takes more time. I feel like it's a lot easier to rotate a 500 too, because you have so much horsepower and you don't want to over rotate and scrub speed for sure. But, um, compared to the 250, I feel like in a 500, you can get that thing wound up and oh, it rotates oh, for sure. really good. For sure. So to kind of get back on track with a few things that we have here on our notes to talk to you about, Carly. So you ran double duty a lot at a younger age. Uh, you moved up. You got the chance to run Red Bluff. You actually won some races in Beginner Box. You won um, one of your big ones was the Autism Awareness yeah. Night. They have these nice little puzzle, puzzle piece trophies. So uh, that was really, really cool. But moving up, you even won a race in Box Stock. I guess technically you've won a race in every division you've been in at Red Bluff. That's, that's a cool thing to say. Did uh, you have the one of the biggest trophies in Red Bluff, the perpetual trophy. Yes. That's in 250, right? Yes. Yeah. So you won that last, yeah, that, yeah, last, last year. year. We did a whole video on the YouTube channel on that. Uh, talk a little bit about how that was. Cause that was kind of like, I guess you could say a mountain you had to climb. That was your third year, I believe in 250, right? Third year. Yeah. Third year. Third year at Red Bluff. You hadn't won a race yet. You had been close. You'd led a bunch of laps uh, compared to, you know, a lot of other drivers. You'd led a lot of laps and not succeeded, I guess you could say, not won that race, and you were finally able to do that. So maybe kind of talk a little bit about that because you started up front and you were able to lead a lot of laps. 
Yeah, I, I uh, was definitely fast. I felt like I was fast. Um, I went back and watched the race, actually. It looked like second and third were definitely catching me. So, mm-hmm. um, actually, on one of the restarts, I saw second place right there with me. So, I knew I had to change my lineup a little bit, either if I was entering the corner sooner or later or what, or move my wing back or forward, whatever I had to do to get mm-hmm. the car to go faster under a yellow. And uh, I think I adjusted my wing, actually, just a little bit. And then I um, entered my corner a little bit sooner, and I think I got the pull away on the uh, straight. Got some more drive off the corner. And I think that's a big thing, especially back then now versus like a lot of races at Red Bluff or Rubber. So yeah. uh, back then, it's a lot of, it was slick. You know, yeah. you're running maybe softer tires. And so it was a yeah. lot more about finding drive and how to tighten up your car in a way to um, be the fastest guy. And you're able to win that race, win Perpetual Trophy. Um, I could, I need to fact check it, but I mean, was that technically maybe the first female Red Bluff Outlaw Perpetual Trophy winner? I don't know. I don't know about that, but this is something I can fact check. And this is cool. I don't know if this is um, applied to anyone else at Red Bluff Outlaws. You have a 250 perpetual trophy win, right? Box stock. I wish. Box stock. I wish. So I was going to say, so siblings are sharing the trophy, but. I oh, wish. I, uh, we won it two years in a row in box stock, yeah. and that, those were exciting years, but 250, everything always went wrong. So there's still the, well, here's the cool thing. There's still the odds. Carly could pick up the first open perpetual trophy If Carly trophy could win an win. open perpetual trophy, and I could and win an open perpetual trophy, that cool. would be nuts. And she could win it first. Probably a lot of years yeah. down the line. Carly will be in the open class next year. So you never know, man. Maybe maybe a little bit of an upset win there. So that was one of your uh, your big big wins that you've known been known for. And um, we highlighted here a few of the other ones that we got is uh, one of the tracks that we talked about that just recently yep. went away, the Big Sky Cartway. You won the Wild West Shootout in the box stock division. So that was probably a 2015, it was. Mm-hmm. 2015, around 4th of July weekend. Talk about winning a Wild West Shootout, a place that it's not like a track we get to run on a lot. No, you know, you no. have one shot, you show up, and you got to make the most of your weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, it was definitely a long drive there. But uh, when I got there, I knew what I had to do. I knew that I just had to beat everyone and because I really wanted the bear. I thought that those trophies like that's a big sky cartway. Yeah. Does some, trophy. It's so big cool. sky cartway does some of the coolest trophies and obviously Montana themed. They do a bear. They have guns. They have the the uh, the Montana state cut out rifle on a plaque. They did a yeah. rifle on one. So cool. uh, it's always one of those trophies. They're like, I need this is something you can put in your living room. It's not yeah. just a, a cheap plastic trophy. Yeah. So uh, winning the Wild West shootout. That was definitely a big win for sure. And then uh, a few of the other ones you got here. And you won the prelim last year. Or yeah, the, the, year 250. Before, the 250. Yes, winning the prelim. So you won the box stock, you won the final night. And then the 251, you won the prelim night. Uh, talk a little bit about that because that was a crazy race. Ben and I were watching. We, we were, were so, filming the whole race. So hyped. We, one, we were hyped, but it was crazy. There were so many yellows. I think you guys only did seven laps yeah. green. Yeah. Six or seven laps like, green. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're filming. We're like, all right, we got a long ways to go. We're giving Carly signals. Run the bottom. Don't get off the bottom. Don't move up. Whatever you do, mm-hmm. just block. You'll be fine. There's no way anyone will pass you. Track was a little bit narrow. Yep. And all of a sudden, we look up, you know, thinking, all right, halfway we'll be here in probably five or six laps. Yep. They just throw the checkered out of nowhere. Yeah, like, I thought we had an open red, but nope. <laughs> Carly Holmes is rolling into victory yeah, lane. Yeah, so all of a sudden, we get all hype, um, you know, run out on the racetrack, obviously. They have a nice little victory lane there, and Carly was able to park it in victory lane, which is v- really, really special there because of the fans that they have there. That mm-hmm. place was really, really packed that night. I remember particularly and um, great competition as a lot of guys from California yep. would travel up North there to compete all for that same trophy and that big check. And that's a pretty unique track too. Uh, I never got the opportunity to run on it, but 
Did you guys ever have any tangles with the walls? Because I heard the track there spits you out. Yeah, I, suck you in. one time I, I was running the curb and I think it was, I so I won the prelim night in 2015 in the 250 class. Yeah. Uh, so I won that. And then the final night I was running up front. I think I was second. And I was just absolutely beating down the fence, like doing everything <laughs> right. I could with my 250 because the 250s didn't have the horsepower to really run no, the top. You're running straight but on it. Just, yeah, pretty much straight as can be right rear on the curb, right rear on the fence. And I was doing everything I could and I just could not get by. I think it was Landon Brooks. He started on the pole. I started outside yeah. pole and he's just absolutely putting the bottom, like no tire spin wing back, just rolling the bottom. And I am absolutely about to just wreck myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I remember I did get sucked into the wall and it throws you back out. It's the weirdest thing. They're barrels. Yeah. yeah so the they side, suck yeah. you in and they throw you right back out into the racing track. And, uh, I ended up spinning out like two laps later. So, yeah. uh, that was, that was a race I thought we might win, but we ended up not, but still overall, so many great memories there. Mm -hmm. And one of them being our wild west shootout success, I guess. So that's one thing we'll miss. Uh, now that we obviously won't be able to compete there, but hopefully the Montana outlaw cart scene gets something going. I think they yeah. have a few other tracks in mind for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so here's something cool to mention. Um, so what's it like racing on the track as siblings? Because like I said uh, in the last podcast, Carly was leading the last time we were at Roseburg and she was checked out. And yeah. I don't think Tanner would have caught her unless there was a caution. I would have to disagree a little bit. Okay. I, think I, I was put, I was putting <laughs> I together know. and we, we mentioned this a little bit and this is something to talk about. So uh -huh. I feel that the person that would be the easiest to beat is Carly. And when I say that, let me explain. So, and I feel Carly's easiest person to beat on a racetrack should be me. You, and yeah. here's why. So I was thinking about this. I was like, man, this makes sense. So if Carly's paying attention, for example, we go run Red Bluff and Carly can watch the race and I can watch her. And then afterwards, we always do like a breakdown of what happened. And we talk yeah. about like how to be better uh, specifically for like each of us. Yeah. So technically, if we're both listening, we should hear things that the other person's working on. For example, like if we're restarting the race and I always want to go with the first cone, let's say, for example, I'm trying to always go with the first cone. I know like if we go to Roseburg or something, that might be a possibility of what you're trying to do or, you know, so I always try to listen of things you're getting better on and watch your races and maybe where weaknesses. So technically, I think the easiest person for both of us to beat is each other because we have yeah. the most knowledge about the other driver. Right, right. W would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree on that. Like, I know I'm not the best listener when it comes to trying to listen to you, but don't worry. I am listening because I know like when I'm out on the track, I definitely think to myself like, okay, wait, Tanner said that like 20 minutes ago. I mean, I'm sure I wasn't listening, but now that it's come back to me, like I, I can well, hear him. So. I, I think for sure Carly's become better at, at taking advice. Uh, not that you didn't at one point, but like, for example, we've had times where I'll be like, all right, Carly, run this line, do this exactly. And I promise you, you will win the race. Yeah. What she do goes out there, does the complete opposite. <laughs> so it, it happens sometimes, but no, I think, uh, racing together is something that is, it's different because we are siblings. So no, yeah. you know, the car ride home can be a little awkward, but yeah. for the most part, we haven't been in the same division, uh, you know, at all. So, but definitely in the coming years, as we get into sprint cars more, and as you move into the open class, uh, even though it's weird, sometimes in opens, even though we're in the same division, we never end up in the same races just because there's so many cars, mm -hmm. how the cards play out, you know, you might not really race each other too much during the night. So, um, the viewers will be seeing this a couple weeks later than when we shot it. We're going to Roseburg this weekend. Yeah. Are we going to see redemption Carly? Yes, for sure. So I know Tanner's I have winning. to win it because okay. I've threw the race twice to him. I can't do another time. Touching okay. on that race specifically, I think uh, in open track, Carly was obviously better. We can kind of agree or, or we're, we're pretty even. It was like where 
I couldn't make up any ground on her because you were you were so she was fast. Rolling, yeah. You were rolling, but I felt like I wasn't losing a whole lot of time. So that's one thing that we kind of experienced. But the main thing that I was kind of waiting for during that race was a restart. And obviously you kind of choked like right before that restart. But the biggest thing there is they do Delaware double file, which is where the leader's out front and then it's uh, double file behind that. So mm-hmm. at least me being in second, I was going to be able to pick my lane. So my game plan, if we're just going to talk about what could have maybe happened, is I wanted to see what you were going to do, whether you're going to try to like block me on the restart or also maybe try to do the thing where pretty much just go where you don't. So like yeah. uh, one of the main things that happens in Outlaw Carts when they do the Delaware double file is you can kind of see who's behind you. So you kind of know maybe like who to block mm-hmm. or where where to restart or where to fire. And so I was thinking like, man, just try to go the opposite way. But uh, thankfully we didn't even have to race much. So then nothing ended up happening because of what happened about seven or eight laps into it. But I think we're going to probably see something here this weekend at the Roseburg Indoor. We'll probably be in the same heat race. That's typical when we head up north. I don't know. We just always draw similar pills. And uh, if you guys are watching this, you already know the outcome. So maybe you're chuckling. Maybe something does actually occur. you're not going to throw right rear into turn one. We'll have to wait and see. If I'm being honest, dead serious, I was rooting for Carly that race. Obviously, I want to win. Like, oh, I'm going to do everything yeah. I can to win because uh, we're all just so competitive. But I was I was like, man, I really hope she plays the cards right here yeah. and beats me because it, it would be cool. You know, obviously, that shows her progression yeah. and it shows what, what, what you're doing and, and it shows that you're becoming a better race car driver. And obviously, I race in the open class weekly at the Red Bluff Outlaws, so that's about as tough as it gets. So anybody in the open class that you have to race against, you know, you run OI, but you run opens at a lot of places, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what, it's just, it's tough. So we're going to be back at Roseburg this weekend, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of competition, so hopefully we can both be up front. Sparks or no sparks, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and, and, and it has happened before where we've gotten situations, I think, not not this last season at Roseburg, but maybe it was at the beginning of 2019. Uh, Carly fed me a wheel. I I don't remember what happened, but I had kind of got. Uh, I tried to chop her, I think, and she just dropped the clutch and let the right rear fly out a little bit. So sometimes you had enough. You know, you know. <laughs> I, I always like to joke that we might have a little conversation afterwards in the trailer, but no, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be uh, a, a fun weekend in Roseburg, and hopefully one of the home siblings um brings it home in victory lane. Absolutely. So now getting into this next part, we real quickly, before we kind of wrap up this podcast, I want to talk about things non-racing related a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the main ones being how athletic you are. And if you really weren't a racer, how you could definitely be a sports player in the sense of, you know, playing high school sports, basketball, baseball. sports. Yes. Like, obviously, there's plenty of females out there that are super athletic. And I'm not saying like Carly's the most athletic person ever. She's going to be a basketball, baseball star or whatever. But- Carly, all throughout Little League, you didn't even actually go the softball route. You straight up played boys base, you know, played with the boys all the way up until majors until it was time to kind of like end Little League. Did she play with you? Uh, no, not me. So I had kind of got out, got in out of baseball um, by the time I was 13 years old, right before high school. Yep. And then you were about 10 at the time. So you probably played two or three more years. But Carly would literally be like the starting pitcher, which like I said, we're talking about Little League. But as far as like what direction maybe the average female would go, they'd go play softball. Right. They'd go do something else, you know, and play with the other girls. Carly had one of the strongest arms on the team, would throw kids out as catcher. 
you know, um, even learned it throwing other pitches, you know, if you guys are baseball, like a curveball and all that. Yeah. So you were very athletic. Talk a little bit about like your sports and, uh, how, how important that was for you to continue doing those as well as racing, even though that uh, racing was a top priority. Yeah, I definitely, I still love racing till this day, but, um, I always had the other sports just cause I was, I love to be outside. And so I knew if I picked the sport outside, um, that I would, I would get the exercise for one. And I also saw you playing it and I was like, I want to do it just because yeah. like, you know, um, baseball is def. I still love watching it. I mean, I don't watch it as much, but, um, well, I think also, uh, softball just wasn't super appealing, like changing, yeah. you know, you're obviously, you already had the talent of like playing baseball and like having fun doing that. There was no and reason watching Tanner play yeah, and ball. watching us as we did a little bit of travel ball before I kind of full on quit. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I think that for you was, you know, it wasn't appealing to go that route. So it was more fun to do that. Also, you played a lot of basketball and up until what this last year, you, you, yeah. didn't, you didn't play this year, but sports in general in 2020, about did two not, years of basketball, 2020 sports was a, was a, a mess, um, but playing well, basketball, what were you gonna say? Uh, legend has it. No one charged Carly on the mound. Yeah, no, no one, no, charged no one, charged, no one would, they wouldn't do it. Car yeah, Carly never intentionally hit no one or anything, but uh, playing basketball, you played that for a couple of years. That was another sport that you were fairly good at. Uh, you did not play with the boys in that sport. You did yeah. uh, female basketball, but talk about like, you know, like I said, playing sports and getting the chance to do that um, during the week to really have a full schedule between racing and um, playing basketball or baseball. Yeah, it definitely did fill my schedule up. I was, uh, I went to school for seven hours a day. Then it was practice for another two to three hours and it was come home you know, do my work, eat dinner, go to bed. So yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and repeat the process. Yeah, yeah. So definitely my weeks were always full. And then Saturday I would, you know, race. So then it was like Sunday was like my only day off unless I had like homework to still do or clean the cars or something like that. That would fill what, me up. Which was really good. I think just for young kids, one of the great things about sports mm -hmm. or racing keeps you out of trouble, keeps you focused on, uh, what, what's good and on yeah. the straight path, straight and narrow path. And so I was always excited to watch your games and see how things would play out, even though I felt like, I don't know what it was about us home siblings, but we, we never really ended up on the greatest teams. We always yeah. were on the losing <laughs> end of things. It seemed like, Hey, you know what that happens? Um, quick question for Carly. What's your favorite position preferably in basketball? Um, point guard. Point guard. I've always been you a like point taking guard. Control. Yes, well, I always, I would always bring the ball down every single so time. So you someone like that drives or shoots? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I would shoot threes, but I normally, okay. I'm, I normally drive. I feel more gotcha. comfortable when I'm close to the hoop. Absolutely. I, gotcha. I think uh, also part of that, well, one your ability, but also we're we're not super tall people, so you know we weren't you know maybe in a, one of the taller positions, but no, yeah. we always had a lot of fun um, watching Carly. And now, as we kind of wrap up this podcast, I want to get into a fan question, and this one is not racing related. It actually comes from my Instagram story. I want to do this more. So when we're doing these podcasts and we have different guests, I want to hear unique questions that are specific for maybe what's going on with like our guest Carly or just uh, the situations and the race races that are going on. And this one is actually from Jacob and he responded to my Instagram story and said, Carly, what's your favorite place to eat? Uh, my favorite place is probably Chick-fil-A. We eat there a lot. We just got one and we're probably going to go there actually after this video. Yeah, we went there yesterday. Yeah, we went yeah. there yesterday. So <laughs> I just love the place. That was, uh, that was actually a very common question. That's part of why I decided to put it in. But yeah, we always enjoy going to Chick-fil-A. We Like you said, we went there yesterday and that's always a fun place. Maybe maybe tonight or today after the podcast, we'll go to In-N-Out. I'll pick. You can't. Oh, okay. In-N-Out's in pretty say, good. In-N-Out, I'm going to have to go with In-N-Out over Chick-fil-A, but you can't beat Chick-fil-A's uh, sauce. It's good. It's good. It is, but 
can you beat the in and out spread? It's, it's such tough. A challenge. It's tough. If you guys are not from the West Coast and you do not get the chance to have in and out, it's yeah. got to be on the list of things to try. It's so I, I can't tell you like we don't eat much fast food, but when we do, it's in and out, Chick Fil A, like back to back to back. Like yeah. that's that's what and we're, that's we're at. traveling. Then it's like McDonald's to get a McFlurry. Yeah. So right, yeah, we right. do the late night McDonald's runs after. We'll probably do that after Roseburg tomorrow. So well, yeah, uh, for sure. We gotta celebrate. Absolutely, <laughs> Bennett. You have the other fan question that's actually yeah. for all three of us, kind of. You want to touch on that? Yeah. So uh, Tommy tuned in and he asked, um, "What's your advice for becoming a better driver?" So let's say there's a kid that comes up to you, he's like. Hey, uh, what should I do different? Like, what is your advice for me to yeah. do? Uh, yeah. So, uh, my advice for any younger driver who probably, or even older driver who came up to me, I'd probably tell them to stay confident in themselves just because if they get over their head and they keep thinking like, Oh my gosh, like I'm messing up. Like I just need to like, you know, right. I'd probably tell them to stay focused. You know, if, um, I'd probably, I like to walk the track with people and show them where wow. a line is at, yeah. you know? show them if there's the rubber or like where the grip is, you know, traction. So I, um, I've definitely, I've done that a few times actually with, um, box dot kids, I think, mm-hmm. or beginner box. I'll just be like, I'll just kind of show them a little bit and I'll tell them that they're going to do good no matter what, like just go out there, you know, have fun. But, um, if you're definitely serious about the sport, then like stay confident in yourself. Yeah. So. When I think, uh, track conditions or something, I didn't even realize this. So us being around racing, obviously most of our lives, you know, there's just things that we know that we think is normal, mm-hmm. but especially doing like the vlogs on YouTube and like talking about track conditions, it's crazy reading through the comments. You hear stuff like people, I didn't know the difference between slick and tackier. I didn't know right. that 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 right there by seeing the darker dirt like that maybe meant there was grip there or they just previously watered it yeah. like little things that were so simple to us because we just it's second nature we've done it for you know we always like to joke we've done it forever mm-hmm. uh so that's one cool thing i think about the podcast and about the videos where we get to talk about in-depth things like this and uh, as far as my advice for helping another driver and um, someone to be better I would say the biggest thing is try to be try to work on all aspects of racing. It's not always just about turning laps. Right. You talked a lot about confidence. I like to say racing is over 50% how how confident you are in your ability mm-hmm. and in my opinion, confidence is not something you can just, you know, show up to the table and say I'm the most confident driver. You know, mm-hmm. confidence is something that you have to kind of earn for yourself in a way like yeah. you have to become confident because you had a good race or you ran a great heat race or you know you maybe drove from 16th to fifth in, right. in something and, and made a transfer spot so i think confidence is something that's earned so mentally uh it's huge and then also i would say watch film i think that's something a lot of people oh, yeah. don't take advantage of but I think watching film and like studying, you know, if me and you were racing in the 250 days and you absolutely waxed me, like what I should be doing is I should be watching what you did yep. to outsmart me to run, to run a better line. Absolutely. And I think that's something we've always done. So as a younger, if you're a younger driver, biggest thing I'd recommend, get a GoPro or get your mom a camcorder, yeah. get someone to film your races, even if you're older. And uh, in-car shots are always worth watching. And then um, camcorder shots are great too to see what other drivers are doing or a shot from up top. Yeah. Um, I think what my advice would be for a better driver. Um, so if you want to make a career out of racing, and this is something that I have definitely learned throughout my career, is um, just as is just as it's important to be able to uh, turn a wheel and be fast and be the best at it, uh, you got to learn to be a salesman almost. Yes. Um, a huge part of racing now, which I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of, and we can definitely talk about this later um, in the future, is how expensive it is. Yes. And the thing is, is um, 
a lot of these big teams or whatever, uh, you could be one of the best drivers in the world and rarely they're going to pick you up over your talent. But if you're not bringing money to the table to your yeah. team, um, you're not going to have the it's best hard opportunities. To get a spot. Right. It's hard to get a spot. So I would say to anyone is um, just as good as you're driving and learning, uh, learn the business side of things. Ask someone that has a bunch of sponsors. Ask someone that's, uh, you know, picked up. Uh, I've picked up Nesquik as a sponsor. And Which that's, is pretty cool. pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And uh, you got to learn to be a businessman. And it's just a, it's a thing about building relationships with people. And yeah. that's how you're going to take the next step, in my opinion. I 100% uh, agree. Next, I always yeah. like to say that also, as well as, you know, like confidence is 50%. I would say um, just uh, as like half of what you do is being a salesman and just being on the track is just a little part of racing. Right. You know, not only do you have trying to be a salesman, you have, um, you know, watching film, you have spending time in the shop because mm. if you don't put your car together correctly, if you don't know how to put your car together, right. you don't do something right. You know, some, something we're going to have a failure. You're going to have a right front fall. If you're going to have something right. go wrong and that eliminates your chance of not only winning the race, but just getting valuable laps at an early right, stage. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I definitely believe, um, just as it's important to drive is, uh, building partners with people. But, uh, I think everything that we all mentioned here is great advice. And, yes, uh, definitely. If you, if you take, did listen, note take, notes, take yeah. notes right now and, uh, work on those different areas. But Carly, I wanted to say thank you so much, uh, for being on the podcast today. There's one more thing I wanted to touch on. It's something we added to the set. This is something that we're going to want to do, uh, as we, you know, bring on different guests right, and we right. have different pieces of memorabilia. This is actually something that a fan sent in. I wish I had his name. If you sent this to me, please let me know. But I, I was messaging we'll, with him we'll on Facebook. We'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. That's an awesome photo from actually our first win of the 2019 season uh, at the Southern Oregon Speedway. So Carly with the factory QRC polo, I was in the TH suit and we, uh, we won that night, I think from the second or third row. So that's a fun piece of memorabilia. We're going to hang it up on the wall after this because Carly's our first guest, which is, yeah. uh, that's awesome for us, mm -hmm. for sure. If you guys want to uh, suggest a guest or a direction you want us to go with this podcast, mm -hmm. people you want us to have on, like we said, we're going to try to get people in studio and then everyone else, obviously, just because of uh, the timing, we're going to have a lot of Zoom calls and have right. people over the internet, you know, kind of broadcast in with us. And this is the cool thing too is... um. Like we mentioned in the first episode, we want us to be all inclusive to all motorsports. So we have some things yes. in the works uh, to get some people on that you just don't see in the dirt. They're world. not necessarily sprint right. car drivers. They're not necessarily midget. Oval like, drivers. They might not oval, be old drivers. Even so. like would like to talk about uh, asphalt racing because yeah. that's something that I don't really have a perspective on. Yeah, I guess I got you could an say. opportunity to you know? uh, hot lap a late model one time, and uh, you know my dad's had a great opportunity in nascar with it so i think for sure in the future that's going to be a cool talk absolutely so we want to get into all different forms of motorsports but anyway thank you guys so much for tuning in like we said earlier if you want to watch all the small clips definitely check out some of our other youtube channels and uh like i said carly it was awesome having you here today yeah, thank you and we're gonna try to incorporate you in the podcast somehow yeah. okay. maybe not every episode but something where uh carly like the first episode she was behind the camera and she right. was helping thank us you, you know film. Too, yeah. Yeah, yeah we no appreciate problem. that today it's my older sister Krista so shout out to Krista for uh you know helping us out we appreciate yeah. it here in studio anyway though we're gonna be uh signing off like I said make sure you uh check out all of our links down in the description down below if you want to listen to the audio version you want to listen to other video versions uh we appreciate your guys' support so anyway have a, a lovely rest of your Wednesday yep. and we'll see you guys next week for another episode of off the track with Tanner Holmes and Bennett Gooch